Thank you for tuning in to Kineticast. I'm your host, Bo Sauls. In this episode, we have Heather Linden and Bobby Gaysford from the UFC Performance Institute. Heather and Bobby talk about how they assess the UFC fighters, common injuries that they see in them, and their upcoming docuseries. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe to Kineticast on your podcast app so you can stay up to date with the new episodes. If you want to find out more about Kineticense, the 3D functional movement screening technology, you can go to kineticense.com to schedule a free online demo. Let's go ahead and start episode 6, the UFC Performance Institute on Movement, Performance, and Rehab. Thank you for tuning in to Kineticast. I'm your host, Bo Sauls. Today we're at the UFC Performance Institute with Heather Linden, the head of PT, and Bobby Gaysford, who is the PT clinic manager. So guys, uh, thank you for joining me, first of all. This is great. Thanks for having us out here. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be on here. Yeah. So first off, I want to start with what is y'all's day-to-day activity? Because you were just, Heather, you were telling me about your travel. And Bobby, I know you're traveling at the same time. So Heather, why don't you start? Tell us like what you've been doing and what, what you've been, what's been going on. So our day-to-day varies, honestly. There's no week that's exactly the same. We have probably over 40 fights a year. And myself and Bobby are now traveling on the road at least once a month each. So our month to month and our day to day pretty much is all over the place. We have athletes that come and live here and do their complete rehabilitations here. So they're here for like six months. We have athletes that literally come in because they're in fight camp and they want to get some objective data and some analytics done on them. We also have some that just pop in and say, wow, I tweaked my back yesterday. I was in California. I just came up for you to fix me. I'm here for two days. We have others that fly in and say, you know, I want the whole um, multidisciplinary approach of all the objective data and testing that you guys can possibly pull yeah. so that I know where to focus. So our days are pretty crazy. Our weeks are pretty crazy and our months are even crazier. I mean, looking forward, Bobby and I are traveling all over, trying to really get on the road and be able to assist these athletes um, during their fight weeks. Where have you been the past couple weeks? I know you've been... I've been to Bali. I've been to Thailand. I've been to Australia. Crazy. I will be heading to possibly Atlanta. <laughs> Miami and California in the next month or so. So my weeks are going to be a little bit crazy in this next six months, but it's being more effective and being, you know, there for the athletes on the road as much as possible. There's only so many athletes that come through here. So we're gradually expanding um, our amount of employees that we have because we're traveling more and being able to be there all week to help these guys get ready for the fight. And then also being here doing full-time rehabilitations and full-time just everyday maintenance. Yeah, for sure. And Bobby, what about you? What have you been up to? Yep. So um, Heather's been traveling to all the pay-per-views for like a year and a half now. Um, we kind of demoed traveling me a little bit last year. So I went to Sao Paulo and then Denver. Yeah. Um, and then this year kicking it full off um, basically every ESPN card. So basically once a month. Yep. Um, so while she's traveling, holding down the fort down, you know, here at the Performance Institute, um, and then, you know, traveling once a month. So my next schedule, I just got back from Phoenix um, beginning of this week, um, and I'm off to Philly at the end of March. Very cool. So, yeah, so I was say, I thought I traveled a lot, but I heard, like, she traveled all over the world. I was just in the United States. That's pretty easy. I mean, I'm doing, like, four-hour flights, so your, your flight's got to be, like, 16 yeah, hours sometimes. 15, yeah, which is cool, though. I mean, it's nice to be able to take a passion of traveling and yeah. incorporate that into your daily job and see the world. See the world, and yeah. also get to see athletes that will never make it to Vegas. You know, right. when I was in Australia for that pay-per-view card, we had athletes that will never probably make it to Vegas. Right. And now with our new facility opening in Shanghai, that'll be a hub where they can utilize. But just telling them what we're about 
what we strive to do and what we really want to achieve in that facility, you know, really opens up the doors to get athletes on that side of the world, you know, integrated in with us. Yeah, and how many, like, facilities are y'all planning on opening up? You're trying to have multiple facilities all over? What are you doing? You're laughing, so I know there's something going on in background here. I get the details on this podcast. Right here. <laughs> there's a lot going on here yeah. from the UFC. I mean, even last night we sat down with our um, execs, and, you know, there's a lot of interest. So right. one of the cool things is is these facilities pop up where the need is, where the funding is, where there's investors and things like that. So there's a lot of components. But right now we have two other facilities that are literally, I think, will be possibly happening in the next few years um, that will be popping up and eventually, you know, just be really impacting all professional athletes. Like, you know, we are just, we are UFC, but we're also integrated with other athletes. We have the Olympic Chinese team that are now doing some stuff with us here for yeah. integration. And there'll be a huge component of Shanghai, not only helping our athletes become better athletes, so working with Olympic wrestlers and boxers and judo and taekwondo, but it'll really integrate and really change performance, I think, for sports. Yeah, for sure. And I think the way you're going to assess people is going to change too, because now you're going to look at different body styles, different different body types, I mean, just different anatomy. So you're going to have to look at people differently. Yep. So, uh, Bobby, why don't you jump into what your day-to-day is like. When you're, when you're here in the facility working with people, what do you do? Yep, so day-to-day, just kind of, you know, anything from from maintenance type treatments, because, you know, these guys beat the crap out of each other. You're day keeping in, them day together. Out. Yeah, so you're <laughs> yeah. keeping them together on a maintenance issue. Um, then you're also looking at, you know, we're doing post-surgical rehabs on a day-to-day yep. basis. Um, and then, you know, the acute, the acute injury that, you know, pops up from training. We're pretty centrally located with a couple of the major gyms in town, so they're able to pop over, be over here within five five minutes um, after practice. So we get a pretty quick look at the uh, that's pretty easy the assessment. Yeah, yeah, that's not hard. And then, so what, what do you run through? So very similar to Bobby, you know, our days today, we probably have half of our day scheduled out rehabs. You know, okay. they are either post-surgical or they're, you know, um, overuse injuries that they're kind of rehabbing. Yep. Um, and then the day, you know, we always get the popover of, hey, I had a grappling session, my neck snapped down, I got a stinger or, you know, so we're assessing that as appropriate and needed. And then on top of that, some administrative stuff, you know, making sure that Bobby and I are staying, you know, um, research based, looking at really integrating how we can become better and how we can be utilized more from an athlete standpoint and integrating with all the other disciplines. So, you know, every day Bobby and I have a big load, but at the same time, it's even more integration of where are they in our strength and conditioning? What can we be doing with our strength and yeah. conditioning coaches with for a prehab aspect, you know, nutrition wise, if they're for an sure. athlete that's doing rehab, can we modify their nutrition so we're not having these spikes in, you know, especially being a weight class sport? Yeah, and I mean, not even just the weight class, like you're looking at nutrition, you can look at tissue failure, you can look at this thing, that comes straight to nutrition. You right. guys have to look at every little aspect because arguably the best athletes in the world are UFC fighters because they have to do so many different things. Exactly. I'm a basketball player, so I'm like, I'm a little biased. I'm gonna say basketball guys are the best, right? No, like I've seen, I've seen yeah, but yeah, right, yeah, exactly. So it's cool good movement, but you guys have a lot more to do. Yeah, yep. they're very athletic. You know, yeah. it's a population where they have to be good at a lot of things. Right. So you know, in, in some sports, they can be really good at basketball, and then you yeah. know, even I would say when we worked with the Olympic team, you know, our swimmers, they were great in the water, but initially when they first started their dry land training. There was a little awkwardness. There was a little. How was their balance? How are the swimmers balanced? Terrible. Terrible? Okay. Some of the worst balance I've ever. Okay, that's what I was wondering. You take them out of the water and they're like literally a fish out of water. Yeah, for sure. That's. I mean, you would think that that's the saying, but I was like, you know what? I bet these guys can't stand on one leg with their eyes closed. For sure. Thousand dollars. Our population, you know, standing on one leg, kicking, they're getting blood in their eyes, so they're you know sensory is changing constantly. So they're very athletic as a population, and they have to be pretty dynamic. And adapt to like uh, to adapt. 
like they have to adapt to so many things. You talk about getting blood in the eyes. Think about right. sensory overload into the brain and then still responding to what someone else is doing to you and you have right. no idea what they're about to do. Right, yeah. crowds yeah. and lights. Crowds, and light, yeah. You have Sound. everything going on. So it, it's pretty hard to mimic. You know, most athletes will train in their environment. Yeah. It's very hard for our athletes to train in exactly what they're going to experience in an octagon because you are literally locked in an octagon with another human. And, and you're not going to try to injure them. Nope. Yeah. It's a yeah. chess match of where you are from, you know, emotional psychological uh, strength, power, every component goes into that. And it's, you know, then you have all the extraneous factors that are going in the fight night. So, so what are the, so in your opinions, Boggle Sardi, what, and what is the UFC fighter the best at? What do you think they are the most through, through and through all the UFC fighters? What movements are they the best at? Um, I would say they're pretty good with the, the rotational and kind of multi-direction. Okay. Um, you know, the rotation is a huge component, yeah. um, and we've got components in our strength and conditioning facility that, you know, address those areas so they can train them. Um, and because they're constantly, you know, they're not only fighting, you know, towards another individual, but they're also backing up. And then, right. you know, they're... Changing direction, trying to get out. And then and rotation, that's a huge thing that's missing in a lot of sports. That's actually one of the things that a lot of athletes are missing, is they suck at rotating. Yeah. In transverse plane, they can't do anything. Yeah. They're terrible. That's cool to see. That's the UFC. So... What would Heather would you say is the worst thing? Like, what what do you find through and through? Like, most of the athletes they're not very good at. Well, I think they're really bad at compensatory movement patterns. Okay. They have so many sports that are involved yeah. that you know they've kind of been able to do a certain posturing or positioning and compensate by using the wrong muscles. You know, we see a lot of the breakdown and overuse injuries are occurring because you know dynamically they're not using or activating the right muscles you know right. they're they're very much using shoulder I mean we know it's a very shoulder dominant sport yeah. but you look and test a lot of their rotator cuff muscles and things like that and they're pretty weak they're very good at you know using their pecs and their biceps and their <laughs> break all that to achieve what they want but I think they're really good at compensatory movement patterns and being able to push through things that you would think no way. Like an and that comes into the sport, right? Like that's something they have to consistently push through things, yep. pain, anything that's going on. They push through it and they continue to go. Like, well, I'm going to switch it to soccer and not talk about basketball players here. <laughs> but when a soccer player gets hit, I mean, they can get touched. They may, may fly. Yes. But these dudes get hit, they're not going to move. Nope. And they get punched in the yeah. face. Yes. <laughs> so And just because they're good at something doesn't mean they're good at it because they're doing it correctly. Right. They're good at it because they've created the, you know. And, and, that's, and that's the mindset. They're, they're going to keep pushing. They're going to keep going. That builds that compensatory pattern. Yeah. And that's something that you guys have to be experts at spotting and correcting. And so, like, how long? So, what would you say? How long would a training go for, like, to, to correct a compensatory pattern that you find? I would say a good two months of really training that. And you know, we're lucky because you know most facilities you're doing your rehab exercises, but we integrate those rehab exercises immediately in their strength and conditioning programs. Because okay. athletes are doing hours and hours of training on edge, on end. So it's like one of those things where I can sit with my strength and conditioning coaches and say, hey, he's not activating. You know, he's not strengthening his infraspinatus, or he's not using right. glutes. He's anterior pelvic tilt and they literally make sure their dynamic warm-up is their prehab okay. so we're integrating that as well which I think is super cool and a rare commodity when you can actually your rehab exercises your prehab exercises are every day pulled into their strength and conditioning program I mean, it has to be right like, to be. I mean these... yeah, you don't we don't necessarily want to add on another session right, right. plus like you know, strength and conditions a little bit more sexy than doing, yeah. you know, rehab it. So if you can sneak it in there. Believe me, I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Cairo that does rehab all the time. No one wants to do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always like, oh, you're going to make me do a Yeah. That's going to be the thing they skimp on at the end right. of the day. Right. Like, but, but isn't this the thing that keeps them from getting hurt? 
Right. Because you're making them stable. You're making them stable in movement, stable and mobile in movement. You're not just being stable, but you got to be mobile and stable. You got to have complete control while you're doing these motions. And I mean, you have some, a a giant person on top of you, or I mean, same, same size as you at that point, but very, very good at taking these joints to their maximum capacity before they make sure they pass that capacity. So how, how do you think you guys train these guys to prepare for that aspect of taking joints to their full yeah. limit? So one of the things we do a lot of is we do a lot of like nerve glides and nerve flossing and yep. things like that and making sure the tissue quality can get to end ranges. Right. A lot of our athletes, because of their anterior forward shoulder posturing, can't lift their arms overhead. So teaching them how to increase that tissue um, length as well as then strengthen in those uh, positions to really maximize. We also see a lot of them, you know, you're doing, you know, nerve test and they'll be positive really early right. and I, I try to talk to the guys like if you're already feeling like your arm's going to rip out imagine when they actually put you in a submissive position yeah. your body's going to tell you right now you got to tap your you elbow's not even fully extended and they're absolutely. about to try to push it and hyperextend it exactly yeah. so you know making sure we really check that in our evaluations you know going from head to toe making sure you know nerves in the lower extremity nerves in the upper body you know everything it can get to its full range they don't have any um, fascial restrictions things that you know can as best you can, right? Because, I mean, these guys are going to keep creating them. Educating it. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. You know, a lot of them have the cervical radiculopathies and things yeah. like that. Just having a wrestling background. I mean, you get a lot of necks being snapped down, things like that. A lot of posturing. So a lot of them present with the same injuries. But when you start to teach them proper posture, you know, really working the deep muscles of the neck instead of the anterior ones, you know, yep. adding in some nerve flossing, they're like, I can get in positions I never thought I could. I feel more upright. I feel... Because you're prehabbing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're taking it, you're knocking that out. So um, we talked about uh, doing post-surgical stuff like that. What are some of the surgeries that... Uh, most most common surgery in a UFC fighter? Most common um, has actually tend to be kind of like... Well, knee for sure. ACL, so ACL meniscus. A little bit, meniscus. Um, but one, you know, less common to other populations has been the PCL. We've seen okay. quite a bit of PCLs. I think we think more just from the the um, contact that they're making with their leg kind of drives that, you know. Yeah, it's got to be that leg kick, right? Yeah, so that, that tibia kick, goes posterior yeah. as soon as as soon as it hits, and that's that PCL taking that, that yeah. pressure. And, and how, how long say, can it last? I would say this population, which is crazy with the knees, I actually forget how simple a straight ACL is because mm-hmm. honestly, all of our guys are ACL, PCL, MCL. Like it's a three yeah. ligament and a meniscus tear. Like yeah. we've had. So you get triads all the way through, right? All the way yeah. through. And it's. You know, someone was talking about their friend that, you know, rehabbed an ACL and she was so, and I'm like, wait, oh gosh, ACLs are so easy compared to all these things. <laughs> you know, Which like, less restrictions when you don't have to worry about the PCL. Yeah, when, you, when you've got know. one thing you're looking one at. Thing, <laughs> what if you're looking like, at seven that things? population like, is just not that way. Our no. Body, you know, we've gone, I think Bobby and I, from really seeing those, you know, one-time injuries to now it's multi-injuries that we're having to rehab back. And you have to think like these guys, they take them, like we talked about pushing through pain, pushing through, these guys take themselves to the limit. Yep. And these these women take themselves to the limit. Yep. So if they're having, you might have micro traumas. They have these mm-hmm. micro tears that are going on and then yes, they tear their PCL, but something else is gonna go because yep. you just had all of that movement come yep. in with a partial in there, yep. which they may not feel. And that's where we also see a lot of our athletes, like they'll, when they get a diagnostic, imaging done they're like oh i have a labrum tear and i'm like most likely you've had that labrum tear. yeah it's been there you know what i mean let's (laughs) let's feed on why it's gotten to the point where you're symptomatic now because you know when we at the olympic training center we did some msk ultrasound on um the swimming population we saw extreme amount of 
possible labral issues, um, right. rotator cuff issues, and minimal symptoms. Minimal. But they trained dry land, and they counterbalanced what they were doing in the water, so their shoulders were really stable and really strong. Good. Teaching this population that, you know, every time you do get a diagnostic, there is a conservative route. It's not always you need surgery because you had a labrum tear. I've had athletes that have done their whole careers with a hip or shoulder labrum, yep. and they've just done a really good rehab and prehab and strength program, and they work really well in you know, making sure they're staying up on recovery, and they never have issues and get through their whole careers. So it's also teaching that to this population that you know it's not necessarily a year long, you're out. You know, there's things you can do. There's, you know, regenerative medicine is getting better, you know, good physical therapy, people yep. that are actually doing hands-on, making sure you're using the right muscle groups that you're trying to activate. That's all super important. I mean, movement, them. like we have people that need to be good at movement. Like these guys are movement specialists. You need to be a good movement practitioner. And I think that's what like kind of breaks it down to. Yep. If you're not good at movement, how are you gonna help someone that's a professional mover? Right. right. And I don't mean moving like lifting boxes. I mean, <laughs> they, they gotta swing around. Yeah. These guys, yeah. could, I almost said what I couldn't say, but <laughs> these guys are coming here and kick my butt. Like, I mean, I'm not gonna move. They'll tear everything on me yeah. but they oh, yeah. go that's someone else they're not gonna do it and it's funny because like even Bobby was mentioning yesterday we had a gentleman come in with you know back issues and Bobby was focusing on his hips in the front of his hips he's like no it's just my back can you just massage my back and my yeah. teaching them like hey mechanic wise you got to be able to move yeah your hips are not moving but that's, that's why your back's hurting yeah, right that's why yeah. your back is hurting. Yeah. so it's pretty fun to be at the bottom and you know with them and trying to educate and teach this population more about performance. And it's got to be hard. It's got to be hard on y'all. Like, you're talk Bob, you're talking about, like, it being hard to get them to rehab and stuff because these guys want to go fight. Yep. That's what they care about. They, get, they want to care about getting back out there. And that's, yep. that's what a lot of athletes. Yep. But, I mean. It's that old mentality, too, where, you know, you're still like, whatever. You know, I can still get out there. and Rust some dirt on it, right? Regardless of how I feel, right? Yeah. Um, and then it's just, it's, it's, it's educating them, um, you know, that much more. Yeah, and then so like other what you're talking about, uh, I had whenever I was talking to Rich, Rich was like Rich Froning. He said, "I don't want. I mean, you have to be careful how you get an image yep. because what the image is going to show may not be what you're feeling. Yep. Yeah. But when you see it, like, oh, does that create a pattern in your head that, that makes wrong. you move differently, yeah. and now it starts to hurt? Yes, and I've seen that with guys. Yeah, the minute they get that MRI of their shoulder, like, oh, I had a labrum tear. I'm like, you have probably had that your entire career, or at least the last five years. Like. Let's not focus on that. But there's some athletes, and I think Bobby can contest to this as well, that once they know something's wrong, there's always something there's wrong. Always you know, it's like, yeah. oh, well, my shoulder. And you're like, no, 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 no. Like, get yeah. out of that. Let's, let's move. Yeah. Let's get the mobility. If you get your mobility and your strength, like, yeah. now let's talk. So my, like, my, my kind of theory on it right now is that, because I've gotten to see, like, so many different people now, that when, you have, when they get to see this injury, they're thinking about it constantly yeah. because what you did, you showed them a, a picture of something they've never seen before right. Right. and they see it injured and someone's telling them how bad this injury mm -hmm. is. So now like say it's a partial labrum tear, right? right? My shoulder hasn't hurt the whole time, but you told me it's there. So when I'm going to bed, when I'm walking, when I'm doing the driving, right. I'm consistently moving my shoulder differently than yes. I've been moving it the whole time. Absolutely. And so and now you wonder you're, why yeah, it hurts. Exactly. <laughs> no. it's something you've yeah. never done. <laughs> is it the labrum or is it that I don't know when I'm just moving differently and I'm not moving right. I'm yes. not moving properly. So I think that's a big aspect that comes yeah. into it. Sure. too but I mean it just depends on there's so many different theories on like the brain turning on stuff once you know it. it's right. like and then the receptors coming back I mean I don't know yep. it's we it's just everything we do is theory it is. and we're just trying to be better at uh, our theories yes. yeah. Yeah. yeah so I don't know so well, we talk, you guys have a $14 million facility here. I mean, I, you guys walked me. Yeah, it's crazy. You guys walked me through it. All right, Bobby, what are your, some of your favorite parts of the facility? Um, obviously, I love the collaboration between um, our strength team and the PT clinic. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a glass wall that looks straight out on the S&C floor. Um, and our PT clinic is actually kind of small. So we do, you know, some of the minor, you know, proprioceptive type stuff in the PT clinic, but then we go right out to the strength conditioning floor and we're doing a lot of our rehab out on the floor. Right. So that athlete never feels like they're in some back corner tucked away on the shelf because they're injured. They're, you know, they're looking just like the athlete that's out there doing an S&C session. Yeah. Um, So that's probably my favorite component is that, you know, we have got a direct sight line onto the the S&C floor. There's not a day that I don't talk to all three strength coaches. Um... That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's that's great to have. I mean, uh, what about you, Heather? What do you, what do you think? I would say I'm very similar. He kind of took my answer on that. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I would say, you know, we have a facility that, yes, has all state-of-the-art equipment. You yeah. know, pretty much anything you can think of. And I think one thing that we tend to hear over and over again working with professional athletes is, you know, maybe something works for one and not another. So really coming into the UFC and developing this facility, it wasn't, you know, cryo or laser or this, you know, some of the research is up and down and theories are up and down, but if an an athlete needs something or feels like something is a big component of the recovery and stuff, we really try as a facility to have all the bells and whistles in the sense of, you know, someone might want cryo because that's what they do and that's what they want to do before. It works best for them. Yeah. It works best for them. So, you know, I always say N is equal to one pretty much when it comes to our our facility yeah. and our sports because you know what works for one athlete might not for another so it's great that we have the bells and whistles but it's also the team yeah. the team is completely integrated it's a group of people that really don't have egos which is sometimes hard to find in the Rare. sports world yeah. so it's the collaboration I mean we hang out outside of work inside of work we truly want to improve the sport and you know change it for the best in the sense of reducing injuries helping with nutrition getting them on appropriate strength programs so I'm, I'm similar to Bobby it's, it's the team that's integrated as my favorite awesome but it's cool that we get to you know it's not just one way or another you know so many practitioners in this world jump on the bandwagon of and tunnel they, vision right tunnel it and it's yeah. like this is the only way you gotta do DNS you gotta do FMS you gotta and it's you know, be as multifaceted and integrated yep. and be an open mind. And, you know, we do the same approach with people coming in. You know, most facilities, if they're a professional team, it's like, this is our way. It, that's not how we function here. We, we highly recommend people that are working with our athletes to come with them. You know, be an integral part. Be, you know, yeah. we're a very small network. We, we're not, we have 600 athletes, let's be real. We need people around the world helping us with this And you population. have so many different people from different places, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. So, you know, that's kind of, it's all about the people I would say when it that's comes cool. to the facility. No, that's, I mean, you, you can't, that's that's the best thing to be able to say, right? Like, that's what you want to say. I'm sure that people are going to listen to this and be like, dang, I wish I could say that. <laughs> They're not going to be able to. But that's, I mean, that's cool. It's because y'all built it that way. Yeah. Now, okay, so uh, favorite treatment modality. Go ahead. What do you got? I would probably say I, I do love the dry needling. I okay. use it uh, use a little, quite a bit. Um only because in this population, sometimes they come in with trigger points that have just been there for a long, long time. I will usually try all the conservative means of soft tissue, instrument-assisted soft tissue, cupping, this, that, and the other. And if not, sometimes, especially with their necks, the traps, I just feel like you stick a needle in it and it's really relaxes and it, it's quick. And, you're you you're know, not lying about that either. You do like the soft tissue. I think I saw on your Instagram, you made like a alligator cry or something like that. When did you have a fighter come in here? I did. Yeah, I, I don't know. Gonna, you can say names or what you can say, but <laughs> you, you, you put them on the Instagram so you're good to go. So I'm what was that? Go. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Our guys are these really tough, tough athletes. You know, we have big guys. We have this Jacare that was in here. We yep. had Francis. We've had a ton of big guys. And literally, I think initially when I took this job, they looked at me and were like, really? This this little But thing? you got to get that like a lot from people, don't you? You do. Males, you do. mostly. Yeah. And yeah. it's just a matter of learning your body. You know, you can, 
know where the points are, you know, you know, when you start learning what the injuries are, you know, you know the trigger points on these guys that yep. really, so it's funny because Bobby and I both will get, we're like, I'll get in an octagon and, you know, battle it out with somebody and I'm fine. But you guys put one elbow or one finger on a trigger <laughs> yeah, put a thumb point, on that. thumb on yeah. your sub, <laughs> and your sub scap, and your yeah. releases, yeah. and they're like, this is worse than a fight. And I'm like, no way. Or Should we teach these guys this, or what? Do we teach them myofascial work? <laughs> we always laugh. Like, well, you get in this position, let's press right Just here. press right there. I'm like, so it's, it's kind of funny. Same thing with needles. This, this population is um, tatted from head to toe sometimes, and... Literally, the guys, I'm like, hey, yeah. I'm just yeah. going to do a knee on your yeah. trap. And they're like, no way, no, 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 no. I'm, no. I'm, I'm tattoos. I'm, I do not like shots. Yeah. And that's not because I'm a chiropractor. It's because right. I don't want a shot. I'm right. scared of it. Yeah. You know? so it it's, is it's what it is. It's funny to see this population as well. You know, they have the same little hiccups and stuff that we are a little scared of and things. But I would say, you know, in this population with the necks and stuff, I've had really good success with dry needling. Cool. Very cool. What about you, Bobby? Yep. Um, I would second that. Um, I like I like using my hands. I like feeling the tissues. I like, Me too. you know, feeling them release. I like feeling, you know, just kind of how they're restricted. Um, so usually that's how I start, you know, hands on first and then kind of move as, you know, as my hands aren't enough, you know, moving to those modalities, the graph, the, you know, instrument assisted. The cupping, the, the dry needle. That's that multi multidisciplinary approach that you're yeah. doing. Yeah. Yeah. I like, you know, we're, we're both like, yeah. yeah, we're both, you know, we'll go to a continuing ed course and it's just another tool in the toolbox. We're not, exactly. you know, pulling, oh, this is, this is, we have to jump on know, this bandwagon. This is it's all this. we're doing now. We I think, this, but this is the message that practitioners yeah. need to hear because okay. how yeah. many times do we have practitioners that are like, this works for everybody. Yeah. This is what I do and I'm great at yeah. it. Yeah. And, and that's and what those, you know, sometimes that's what those courses teach. Like, yeah. oh, that's all I do now. The, the instructor's like, I, you know, you can I try to everything else. 300 yeah. people a day. Yeah. No. Because, yeah, and I'm like, no, it's just another tool in the toolbox. Like, yep. you know, it's just. Increase yeah. that tools. So, yeah. And we, we're very much manual based. You know, I, I see working in sports, it's been a, a great success on athletes. Um, too many times we have teams and we have a bunch of people to see, or insurance is driving how long we can see somebody. And, you know, t constantly I had one of our top athletes that's fighting for a title shortly literally tell me that she gets ultrasound and e-stim. Those are, those are what her facility does. And I was like, wow. You know, so we did some hands-on stuff with her, and she was like, oh, my, I've never been able to touch my toes. I've never <laughs> I move so to, much better now. Yeah, she's yeah. Like, I feel great. She's like, do you want to move to Brazil? And like, <laughs> yeah. well, we're here right now. That's funny, because when I was an intern, I actually had a patient. My external inter internship was in Canada. I had this guy that was a triathlete coming through, and he goes, Man, no one's ever done anything like this. I'm gonna fly to Canada just to come up there, and I'm like, you don't want to do that. Like, right. you're gonna find someone that but can it, do it. But it's crazy in the sports world yeah. how much of that they get. You know, yeah. like, we've had other professional athletes come through our facility. You know, we are very open door policy. If they're professional athletes, we had a tennis guy that you know, if he walks in or an Olympic guy walks into a normal gym and trains, they're asked for autographs and pictures right so we've opened the facility and we will allow them to come here and train too sometimes and we've worked with them as well and they're like gosh i wish our facility did this hands-on stuff so you know i really think it's an integral part and you know it's also teaching them how to manage themselves you know yeah. you can't have them completely dependent on you because you can't be everywhere they are so it's but it's also starting with those manual techniques, teaching how the tissues, how everything works in order to carry over and then they can self-manage themselves. So what's your big, uh, you have a, like a laser tanning bed, correct? <laughs> <laughs> you do have a laser bed. <laughs> so I know, I know guys are walking in and they're like, oh, I'm gonna use that tanning bed before I leave. Okay. <laughs> like, it's not gonna make you tan. Yeah, it'll it's regenerate some ATP, it's, right? but it's, it's not gonna, exactly. it's not gonna so make you tan. It's an infrared laser bed that we have. Yeah. Um, you know, the research on that stuff, down, left, right, you name Science it. Science changes. Science changes. Um, 
I will say, athletes that have been pretty bruised and stuff and beaten up after a fight, it mm -hmm. seems to really cut down the time. So definitely from an ATP cellular level, you know, there's some science and stuff research behind it. And some athletes swear by it. It's kind of a nice, relaxing yeah. bed just to get in after a hard sparring session, and they usually feel a little more recovered the next day. You know, what is placebo and what is real in this day and age? 30% is your brain. It is. So if that's what works for them, we, we do have an infrared laser bed on top of a... I mean, I'm going to jump on it before I go. Yeah, I'm going to be on that. You're going to see me just like... I'm going to Canada. Don't make fun of my skin tone. But it's snowing in Vegas. So yeah, right. So first of all, that's my fault because I brought Canadians down to Vegas with me. Yeah, that's my bad. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking out the window in Las Vegas in the desert. And I look out and like it's just daytime. But it's snowing outside. And I'm like, you know what? I left Canada. This was supposed to be warm. Didn't happen. Nope. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, and I really like this facility. You guys have always been like very cool. Like, everything, you, when we went through it, it was crazy. You guys have the, so I, I joke about the, t the laser tanning bed yeah. because it's awesome. Yeah. Um, then you have the cryo as well, yeah. right? The standing cryo. Yeah. So you want to explain some of that, what it's doing for them? Yeah, so, you know, not all the guys like to um, get in the cold tub, right? You right. It feels so much colder afterwards. Um, and again, you know, science is all over, you know, research is all over with the, the, the cryo chambers, but. You know, some of our guys get sponsorships from recovery places back home, and then they're, you know, able to jump in it here. Um, so I think it's great for kind of like a neurological reset. Yeah. Um, kind of just resets the whole, you know, nervous system. Um, it's three minutes, they're in and out, and they're not suffering in a cold tub, and then, you know, hours afterwards trying to warm up. I think we all spent our time in the whirlpool before, yeah. so yeah. Nobody, yeah. nobody really likes it. No. Yeah. It and is I mean, what it is. It's just having those avenues for the athletes is what works for them, you know? Yeah. We had an athlete, I've worked with an athlete before that, you know, did cold plunges all the time. And then, you know, with the whole thing of don't use ice, if you're building hypertrophy, you shouldn't be doing ice. But when you train at this elite level, and if that's something that allows you to train the next day, and yes, I get these, maybe these athletes weren't working with hypertrophy muscles trying to build at the moment, but do what they feel good. If they can train better the next day and be healthier, makes feel good and makes them better, yeah. then yeah. you know there's something to that as well. And I think that also comes down to like we're not chasing pain. We're yeah. trying to chase function. We're trying to chase the make these guys more functional so they Absolutely. prevent injury. Yep. But when you chase pain, that's when you get into these different things where you're these maybe not helping them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's something you guys do very, very well. I've I watch, I'm a little Instagram stalker and I'll stay on <laughs> I stay online and watch you guys, but you know, it's and I think it's important. And but if I have a UFC fighter come in yep. and he wants to come and he wants to be treated by me I'm gonna do a functional assessment yes. I am gonna find a yes. joint restriction yes, yes I will adjust the joint restriction I will activate the nervous system right. through an adjustment of the spine yes. but I'm also gonna do myofascial work yes. I'm also gonna do prehab yes. stability mobility I'm gonna find where their compensatory patterns are and try to correct them upper cross lower cross anything so you want to I go through. am so excited you're saying this so we are recently just hired us uh, Cairo, uh, Sports Cairo that will be joining our team. And my main purpose of getting this multidisciplinary approach is because unfortunately in this world, our athletes don't have a lot of time. So they're going to facilities that are like, I have a magic wand. I'm gonna mm -hmm. adjust this, or I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna do this, or I'm gonna, you know. Wave my hand over your body. That's going, real, guys. Yeah, they're going to these facilities because they're like, hey, you come through my facility for free if you're yeah. you know. And yeah. I'm so excited like, to have a Sports Cairo show our population exactly what you said that's awesome you know it it's what's necessary you know you got to look at the soft tissue restrictions you got to look at yes the joint restrictions there's it's a whole big everything. pile of everything and i'm excited to have that because it's not going to just be hey come in here 
my neck needs to be adjusted, my right. this. Because this population has such a crazy history and they don't even know their own past medical history. So, you know, whenever we have a guy come in for a neck, back, anything, Bobby and I are doing a full neurological eval because, you know, I've seen what has happened when someone's been just adjusted without sensation, reflexes, you know, all that kind of stuff looked at. So yep. teaching them that, you know, this is the standard. You should, you know, when you walk in a Cairo, they should head to toe do a full screen on you before they're doing anything. You need to do a functional movement exam, Absolutely. hands down. And see how they're moving. So I'm excited to bring this a part of our team and really have an integral part of all disciplines that work together yeah. and look at the whole body as a one. And and it's it's cool because, you know, what we've done is Bobby coming from an athletic training background, myself as a PT background, this new one as a Cairo, we all have our little things that we're better at. That yeah. school maybe prepared us a little bit more. You spent but more time on it. But it's all integrated and, you know, yeah. that's... It'll be fun because, you know, Bobby's going to teach us more emergency medicine that he's good at. I can maybe divorce a little bit from a rehab standpoint. She can do a little bit more joint adjustments. So it's going to be really an integrated group that we take the best of what we all have and be able to work together. That's so great. It's going to be great. I mean, and then so, and, and we know this, we all know this in, the, in our worlds. Anytime that someone comes in and says, I'm going to do this, there's always pushback. And then uh, there's always a little pushback. So, um, and now I think that... We're now starting to see that um, like a PT, AT, and Cairo can all work together, yeah. and we can all work together and be happy and have fun and really yeah. help people because we look at things differently. And we yeah. bring it all together. More brains, like, more it's eyes, exactly. more Exactly. Like that yeah, right? so you're, you're just, just making that toolbox. Exactly. Bigger. But then, like, what's like everyone wants to say, like, well, an AT doesn't want to work with a Cairo, or a PT doesn't want to Cairo, or Cairo doesn't want to work with a PT, or a Cairo doesn't want to work with AT. Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. That's yeah. that's just the that's that old that's, school mindset, like yeah. that yeah. that's not here anymore. Yeah. But we want to keep pushing that and acting like it's there because you got to go see a Cairo. No, right. you got to see someone that's gonna help you, We're and I don't team. care what it's gonna yeah, be. Yeah, it get a team. Who it is, and it's exactly. it's more about the provider that's going to take that um, full body approach that you know. And look at an athlete, not just from the small injury that they have, you know, why did that injury occur? What can be prevented? How can we integrate everything together? And it, it's going to be fun. I'm excited for what our future Yeah, it's is. great. I'm actually going to contact you guys. And once this is up and rolling, we'll try to do one, another one of these because I want to see like how that's going. We're going to talk about how you've integrated the Cairo, which, yep. what you integrated with the Cairo and yep. what you guys are using off them and what you're teaching them to do with maybe something they weren't great at. Yeah. yeah. You improve on some stuff that they, that they didn't have and maybe they'll teach you some stuff and help you on some stuff. Every day I will learn something from Bobby. Exactly. Something like if it's yeah, like, sure. you know, he's, he's so good at stuff that maybe I'm not the best at, you right. know, and it's, it's really nice to be able to have that myth. Oh, that's a great idea. Or, Ooh, I like that. You know, it's the more providers, the more people, you know, you can never, you never know everything. And it's those people that I think will make a difference in our sports world is the people that really truly want to integrate together and, yeah. Yeah. you know, improve the professional sports. I mean, we talk about athletes right now, but this is for everybody. It is. And this is like, I mean, you have a patient like walks in off the street. I want you to look at them all the way through. Yep. Yep. I want you to take care of them as many and whatever they need. Right. Just because I say that I'm really good at this doesn't mean that's what that patient needs. Right. No. So, sure. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's, that's just my, I can, we can rant on that for probably hours. Yeah, let's, let's cut that real quick. <laughs> um, so, let's see. So, you guys are now having a docu-series go on, kind of? Yeah, so we... Is that what would you call it a docu series? Yeah, so since we've we've um, now been with ESPN, so this year we transitioned. ESPN is um, huge integral part of us now, and they want to do in Brazil because fighting is really big. They want to kind of do a docu series about what we do here at the PI. You know, great. we have this great facility, but honestly, it even the message. You know, I was just contacted yesterday by an analyst in ESPN, and they were like, 
we really don't even know what you guys are doing. So trying to get the message out there, trying to, you know, this channel in Brazil, ESPN of Brazil, um, is kind of documenting our days and how we impact athletes before fights, after fights, during rehabs, um, during the fight camps, kind of what we offer, how we integrate as a team, kind of our own personal approaches on being one team and multidisciplinary and how that is going to change the sports world in MMA. Very cool. I think that'll be something cool to watch. And are they going, you said they go into y'all's houses? They did. They, they did. <laughs> so they followed Heather So Bobby, did you hire a maid before they came over? <laughs> I just put everything in the closet. Yeah. I was like, throw everything in the closet so it looks... Under the, under the bed, Absolutely. closet, you're set to go. Yeah, yeah, we were all, we actually, for the first uh, fight on ESPN, Heather had traveled to, we all got together at, you know, Duncan's house. Yeah. Um, and they were all there filming us, watching the fights and, you know, getting together and kind of our life outside of the Performance Institute, not just the data. That's when you drink like one or two beers instead of like four beers. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Nah, we didn't. We didn't stage that much. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, that's good. Definitely enjoy life, and like Bobby said, it's you know that's where you find us on the weekends. Even we're at one of one of our houses watching fights. Drinking beer, talking awesome. shop, just learning yeah. what we can yeah. also do. You know, when you have a few beers, it's amazing what the integration comes out. Well, of let's take good. away inhibition. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's let's say like, here's my theory. Like, and then, but that's cool though because now we're starting to you, you you guys work together. You put your brains together, yeah. and that's whenever you like. I've done it with Dr. Kamo. We've yeah. sat there and we've literally just, worked some stuff out, just yeah. talking through what we can do, yep. because we're now like, okay, well, what, what about this theory? Yep. And we talk about the theory, we break down the theory. So no, that's very very cool. Well, I, I mean, let's cut it off right here guys we're about 40 minutes so i appreciate you having me thanks for having um, us it's the best guys thank you heather and bobby i appreciate it guys thanks thank for having you us. yeah thanks yeah. for having us thank you for tuning into episode six of kineticast heather and bobby shared some pretty cool information with us about the mechanism of injury with the pcl injuries in the ufc fighters they both talk about using objective data and assessment of these athletes. And this is exactly why I use the Kineticense. I want to have objective and accurate data to show the change I'm making in a patient or athlete's body during motion. If you have a dynamic athlete like a UFC fighter, you need to have a dynamic system that can track range of motion of the full body in all three planes of motion. If you want more information about a Kineticense, go to Kineticense.com to book your free online demo. If you enjoyed today's podcast, go onto your podcast app, subscribe, and leave us some feedback. On the next episode, we have Dr. Jay Greenstein, CEO of Kaizo Health, on to talk about the value of technology to practice growth. I'm your host, Bo Sauls, and let's keep learning about movement, performance, and rehab together. <laughs>